This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Welcome to Super Age. My name is David Stewart. I am the founder of Ageist and your host on the Super Age show. We talk about how to live healthier, how to live longer, and how to be happier. And who doesn't want that? Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist, save 20% on all their products. Today's show is also brought to you by Ned's Mellow Magnesium, designed to help busy people sleep better. Go to helloned.com slash ageist and save 15%. Get yourself some better sleep. Today's show is also brought to you by SRW. Aging is inevitable. But how we age is chiefly a matter of our choices. If you go to srw.co, you can save 20% on all their products by using the code AGEST20 at checkout. Welcome to episode 151 of the Super Age Podcast. It is tremendous to have you with us. This will be dropping on September the 13th, 2023. I am back in Park City, Utah, where we've begun what is known around here as mud season. (laughs) which means it rains a lot and it's kind of interesting all the animals come down because they're you know they're like filling up for winter and that's kind of great and it's a beautiful time of the year here but what i'm really excited about is today's guest who is dr scott sure and i've had scott on the show a couple of times and scott's podcast as people have told me are the most information dense podcast they've ever listened to So, um, you know, if you don't have one, get a notebook, get a pen. This one is just really something. We're going to be talking about GABA, which is a neurotransmitter, and how a lot of people are actually GABA deficient, and they might not know it, which leads to, you know, things like sleep issues, anxiety, depression. And then we, we talk about how alcohol affects the brain in a very sort of similar fashion, how kava, valerian, and these things affect the brain and how those can be used. And there's apparently some new pharmaceutical that's out there to deal with postpartum depression, which I think is very interesting. And then at the end, things go really off the rails and we start talking about performance and using psychedelics for performance in combination with methyl blue. So, whoa, (laughs) hold on. You're in for quite a podcast this week. We're going to get with Scott in just a moment after a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Ned's Mellow Magnesium. It's a sleep supplement that I've been taking for about three weeks, and it's great. I know a lot of you guys, we have problems sleeping. We wake up in the night or we have trouble getting to sleep, and you should check this out. So it's got three different kinds of magnesium. Magnesium is awesome to help us sleep. It's also one of the minerals that 75% of Americans are not getting enough of. Mellow Magnesium also has L-theanine and GABA, both of which are going to help us sleep. And full transparency, Ned shares all of its third-party lab reports right there on its site. So not just the research they do, but the research that everybody else does on their products. And that strikes me as a real vote of confidence from the brand on the products that they do. They have over 5,000 five-star reviews on their products. So I'm not the only one who likes this. You can't become the best version of yourself unless you're getting great sleep. Like nothing else works. You got to get sleep. So this is what you do. Go to helloned, that's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash ageist and get 15% off on all their products. Or if you forgot all that, just enter ageist, code ageist at checkout and you get your 15% off there. Today's show is brought to you by SRW Laboratories. Out of New Zealand, their vision is to extend human health span. SRW Labs curates the very latest in science and research to formulate premium nutraceuticals that support your cellular health, especially as you age. Working with their scientific advisory board, they seek to understand and address the causes of aging at a cellular level, providing support across 12 bodily systems with an approach that is unique to SRW. They know that doing one thing well, such as eating healthily, won't have the desired effect on your health. This is why SRW seeks to educate people on the factors that influence aging and, more importantly, biological age. 
Use the code AGEST20 at checkout and save 20% off any order. Go to srw.co.co, not .com. Use the code AGEST20 at checkout. Save 20% on all their products. Oh, and before I forget, so many people have been asking me about my knee surgery, my recovering, how are things going? Oh my gosh, you guys are the village that I always wanted to be part of. I'm just so moved by the, the DMs, the emails, the texts. You guys are the best. So to answer your question, yes, my knee is doing really good. And one of the reasons it is doing really good is before I had surgery, I called up Dr. Scott Scher and I said, what's the protocol? So he gave me a whole protocol on, on what to do. So I'm healing great. And I'm thinking in probably, you know, two or three weeks, as we see how things progress, we'll be publishing something in Aegis about what Scott told me to do and then how I felt about the different things that he had me use. And and those didn't include microdosing, just to be clear on that. <laughs> and one other thing, we just launched the Super Age quiz, and Scott was nice enough to have taken the quiz before the podcast and I meant to talk to him about it, but because I was so excited about all the other stuff, I completely forgot, and my social team admonished me, so I just want to bring it up now. Um, Scott is an owl, and we have a new quiz that's out on Aegis. If you go to aegis.com slash quiz, you'll see it, and it's all about simplifying this whole health, wellness, longevity thing, because we're all different, and so we put together this quiz. And we've typed people by animals. You're going to like, you know, whatever animal you are. Believe me, it's good. It's all good. So if you're curious, are you an owl or maybe you're something else, you can go to aegis.com slash quiz and see what you are. And just a quick reminder, after my conversation with Dr. Scott Scher, we're going to do Just Try This, that little tidbit about how to live a little happier, a little longer, and maybe a little healthier. Stay tuned for that. I'm going to call Scott right now. Hey, Scott. How are you today? Hey, Dave. Nice to see you again. Good to see you. And where are you today? So I live just outside of Boulder, Colorado, about 10 minutes away. Nice wow. little sleepy town called Louisville. Uh, if you were in Kentucky, it would be pronounced Louisville. But here in Colorado, we say it like Americans. And it's Louisville. Yes. Nice little town. I've been here for about two years. Just about. It's a beautiful place to be. And has uh, winter started? Fall started? So we were just getting the the early inclinations. Last week, it was beautiful. The nice thing about living here is that in the evenings, it gets it's a very dry climate. And when it's hot outside, it stays warm at night. And I lived in California for many years and always would cool down at night, which is very nice for air conditioning, right? You have your natural air conditioning outside. You just open up your windows. But I, here it's nice because it stays a little bit warmer. So you can stay out in the evenings. And it's we had like a beautiful party, like just a little dinner party on Saturday night, which I don't typically do. Uh, with friends and 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 you know with our kids and things like that, it was a lot of fun. So yes, small, bite-sized pieces pieces of fall for now. The challenge with living in Colorado is that your middle seasons, your spring and your fall, tend to be really short sometimes. <laughs> so it's like all of a sudden it's like winter tomorrow. Um, like I think this Friday it's supposed to be sixty degrees and and raining. I'm like really. I'm not ready for that yet, man. Like winters here are long. I mean, they're beautiful. Like the, the mountains are 45 minutes away from my house. We, we have ski passes, of course. I'm getting gear this year. We're getting roof racks and blah, blah. I'm becoming, I'm becoming like a full Colorado in here, David. It's just, it just give you a, a couple more years. I'm going to have all the gear probably. <laughs> so, well, I mean, last year, I mean, it started to heavily snow mid-October. I skied through the middle of June. And it was yeah. just like it's the endless winter. My my wife went crazy. She's like, "We're gonna get out of here. I can't live yeah. like this." Ugh. Yeah, you guys got dumped on. I know with California as well. Like Utah was was part of that the whole dumping process of of snow. So yeah, it, it can be a lot of fun if you love the sun, if you love the the snow. But if you don't, you gotta get out of Dodge. <laughs> That's for sure. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I just want to let everybody know you're like my go to guy. When I have like, so I was going to have surgery and, you know, before I'm going to have surgery, I, I call you up and it's like, okay, what do I need to do here to prevent bad things from happening and promote healing? And so we had this conversation mm -hmm. you gave me a whole bunch of protocols, which are awesome. I'm good at following instructions. So I'm, I'm following them. And one of the I things see. that came up in our conversation was GABA, which is something I hadn't really thought. I mean, I sort of heard of it, but I hadn't really thought too much about sure. it. What is GABA? What does it do? Sure. Sure. So Everybody knows about serotonin. Everybody knows about dopamine. Everybody knows about norepinephrine or adrenaline. It's the same name for the same thing. 
but everybody has less that they know about GABA. And GABA is a neurotransmitter, gamma butyric acid. And GABA is our most important inhibitory neurotransmitter, means that it calms down the firing of the brain. And it's situated all over the brain, but it's also situated in these places where it's actually called something called an interneuron. So basically it helps regulate the processing of all those superstar neurotransmitter neurons, your dopamine, serotonin, your norepinephrine. GABA is usually somewhere in the middle of all that regulating flow. And so it has this amazing ability to just help the our information processing, our memory, our learning, our skill acquisition, but it's doing it in an inhibitory way, which means it's actually relaxing the firing of neurons as opposed to um, stimulating that all those other neuron types of neurotransmitters will do. And GABA is always in balance with an excitatory neurotransmitter called glutamate. It's another one that a lot of people don't know about, but glutamate and GABA together actually make up almost about 80% of your entire brain's neurotransmission. So you don't know about it, but glutamate and GABA are running the show for the most part. And so glutamate is, you're an excitatory neurotransmitter. It's the one that gives you, uh, it gives you drive. It gives you focus. It gives you, uh, if you're over glutamated, so like, that's not a word, but it like, for example, if you've had MSG, so MSG, which is found in a lot of um, Asian cooking to make it sweeter, monosodium glutamate. If you're like me, you take some monosodium glutamate accidentally at a Chinese restaurant and you start getting an instant headache. That is an over-excitatory stimulus causing you to have a headache. So um, you have glutamate, which is your excitatory neurotransmitter. And then in the brain, glutamate gets actually uh, converted into GABA via an enzyme and vitamin B6 and magnesium. So you need to have B6 and magnesium to be able to do this um, efficiently. And so you have this balance between this excitatory neurotransmitter glutamate and this inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA. And GABA is... Uh, associated with many different things as a result of its being an inhibitory type of neurotransmitter. You're a clinician, uh, yes. not, not a researcher, which I, I love speaking to clinicians because you actually deal with humans indeed, uh, um, doing meta-analysis. In your practice, what are you seeing in terms of GABA as a clinician? Yeah, so it's a really good question. And this is, this is how I always, the lens that I always use. I mean, there's you can read studies until your eyes are going to fall out. Um, epidemiology, meta-analyses, they can be important, but, and this is kind of a slight sidetrack soapbox, but if you're listening to people that don't see patients for a living, it's very difficult for you to be able to translate what they're saying to your own personal life. You may get some ideas. Don't get me wrong. I think researchers can be fantastic about talking about topics and diving deep into various kinds of things. And there's some very, very popular podcasts out there that get millions and millions and millions of people that are looking at them. But most of these guys and women are researchers. They do not see people for a living. They do not know the nuances of working with individuals. And so whenever you're looking at advice from these kinds of people, uh, I have a colleague of mine that calls it chauffeur information. It's the guy in the front that's telling you what to do, but is actually not doing anything. So, <laughs> except for driving, like he's driving the car, but like, you know, that's, you know, in this case, it's, it's, it's information that's coming secondhand or it's only personal stuff that works for that particular person. And you don't know if that really translates to you. So it's the, the soapbox there is that when you're looking at information out there and you're listening to podcast or listening to, uh, YouTube or wherever else you're getting your information from these days. Nobody listens to the or reads the New York Times anymore or whatever. Um, just make sure that you're looking at it in that context. It can be very helpful, but look at it in the context that does this person actually see patients for a living? Um, and then in my world, you lose an edge when you stop doing it. It's just, it's just plain and simple. It's like when you stop working at doing it's like like anything else. If you stop seeing people. You stop being able to get that perspective. And this is classic for like a like a hospital administrator that used to be a doctor. And like now they don't see patients anymore. And now they all care about is how much money the, the hospital is making. They forget what it is to to see patients and to what that means and the nuances of all that. But anyway, that's that's my soapbox. I'm sure I, you could agree with that. Though, yeah, so. I just want to 100 percent agree with you. It is like one of my pet peeves. Mm. People who are researchers who often heroes of podcasting, but they're not clinicians. So they're saying things as if, hey, do X, this is going to change your life. Like, well, pff, maybe, maybe not. And and they don't have that, res that patient responsibility and they don't, they're not seeing 
how incredibly complex human biology how we're all so different and like right. a clinician a clinician would never say that a clinician would say well let's have a look at that that might work that might not work let's let's see what its effects are they're they're not going to be as dogmatic anyway you, i agree 100% yeah yeah it's 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 a nuance that's very much lost when you're looking to portray something on social media for example that has you know maybe some benefit but there could be some downsides that may not work for everybody it's there's a lot of nuances there so uh, so looking for clinicians out there that are doing the work and i have a lot of good friends that are that have great podcasts that are clinicians that do amazing things and i'm not really i'm not saying that people that don't see patients aren't helpful but just just take it with a grain of salt if they're telling you their sleep stack or their morning routine or like their uh, whatever it might be their their food during the day or what I, I, there can be so many different examples but anyway over to uh to GABA deficiency. So in clinical practice, it's interesting, you know, because when somebody comes up, comes to you, they'll have all, oftentimes they'll have a whole bunch of things going on, right? They have fatigue, they have, uh, they're stressed, they're, they have anxiety, they're depressed, um, or they're just feeling pretty good overall, but they still want to feel better, right? There's like, it's a huge gamut of things. And so what I would typically do, and this is how I kind of initially got more interested in GABA deficiency is that I do a full panel with people. Like I have a, a practice, a concierge medical practice. It's called Health Optimization Medicine and Practice. That's the 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 framework that I use. It's a nonprofit organization training doctors and practitioners like me to how to optimize health rather than treat disease. And it's looking at foundational biomarkers, something called metabolomics. And metabolomics is basically how you can assess metabolism, assess how well your cells are working in real time. And we've talked a lot about, I'm sure you've talked about this on your podcast, Dave and, and, and other people, what metabolic health, what is metabolic health and who is metabolically healthy and who's not metabolically healthy. It's a big deal. And about 95% of the US population is not metabolically healthy, which means that they have some problem with their metabolism, whether it, it is processing their macronutrients, their, their, their proteins, their carbohydrates, their fats, by making energy, they don't make energy well, um, they have insulin resistance, um, they, they have uh, ongoing inflammation, they have gut problems, they have a leaky gut, they have a leaky brain. All these things are, are all relegated to what we call mitochondrial dysfunction. So when I do analysis with patients, I'm usually looking at a, a gamut of types of labs. And looking at these labs, what I found over the, over the last several years is that GABA is a big problem. And it's not GABA itself that you're typically looking at, but you're actually looking at some of the amino acids and some of the cofactors that are typically deficient in these kinds of patients that are having symptoms like uh, that are very that are very much correlated with GABA deficiency. And some of those are symptoms that all of us have gone through in our life or that uh, have family members. So like from a mental health perspective, we know GABA deficiency is associated with anxiety, with fear, with depression, with short temper, with phobias, with impulsiveness, with disorganization, with addictions. The biggest addiction obviously would be alcoholism because if you're drinking alcohol, you're actually actually modulating the GABA system. So the predilection to, to alcohol alcoholism may be because you have a GABA deficiency. Even schizophrenia, excuse me, schizophrenia and OCD are associated with GABA deficiency. And there's also systemic symptoms like IBS and diarrhea, high blood pressure, chronic pain, uh, allergies, migraines, frequent urination, like the, the list, the list goes on. Right. And so it's, but it's not always just because of GABA. Right. And so you don't know that. And so you start looking at some of the, some of the things under the hood, and then you can look at various cofactors that are responsible for the, uh, the conversion of glutamate to GABA, specifically vitamin B6 and magnesium. So if you're deficient in magnesium and vitamin B6, you're not going to be able to do this conversion very well. And so if I see people that are vitamin B6 and magnesium deficient, which is a lot of people, um, I start giving them B6, I start giving them magnesium, I start optimizing cellular metabolism, they start feeling better. Um, and then you know that you're optimizing their balance between their glutamate and their GABA system. So the symptoms are very, let's call them nondescript in the sense that they can be uh, ones that we've all heard about before. There's nothing special about GABA symptoms, uh, GABA deficiency, just in the setting of understanding that it needs to be on my clinical radar that this is going on. And you have your amino acid, specifically glutamate. Uh, glutamine is the amino, mass, amino acid that we can take in, in in our body so that you get glutamine from, from meat, you get it from actually cabbage, from bone broths, uh, from cheeses, 
and, and other foods. Um, and if you can actually look at your glutamine levels in the body and say, okay, well, I have, if I'm glutamine deficient, I'm obviously not going to be making enough GABA because glutamine gets turned into glutamate and then glutamate gets turned into GABA. So like, these are the things that I think about. So like, are how are your glutamine levels? What kind of foods are you eating? And there's a lot of other great things about glutamine as well, by the way, it's not just that it makes glutamate and GABA is also really important for the, uh, for the fuel. Um, it's one of the fuel sources of your, your colonocytes or of your colon cells themselves. And that's why we can take glutamine as a way to, um, to help he heal up the gut. If you have leaky gut, we also know glutamine is really important if you've had a surgery. And this is actually what you and I were talking about, uh, a couple of weeks ago before you had surgery is that glutamine is a very essential amino acid for recovery. When you have a major what we call a catabolic process where the body is starting to break down um, in the in the setting of uh, a stress. And so you need more glutamine. Your glutamine, your glutamine uh, reserves go down dramatically when that's the case. So that's why you need more glutamine and, and, and to actually increase the amount of glutamine you're taking during a surgical process or a catabolic type of process like that. You can buy GABA as a supplement. You can, but it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, the problem with GABA as a supplement is that it's a very big molecule and it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier very easily at, at all. Um, there are only a couple different ways to get GABA through. One of them is using something called nicotinyl GABA or vitamin B3 attached to a GABA. And my company, Transcriptions, has a product in it that has nicotinyl GABA in it specifically because when vitamin B3 is attached to a GABA molecule, it allows vitamin B3 to go first, and then GABA follows through the transporters that allow it through the blood-brain barrier. And then when it gets in the brain, it hydrolyzes or breaks up into vitamin B3 and into GABA. So it goes directly into the brain um, that way and giving you increased GABA, and you have increased vitamin B3 as well. And vitamin B3 is niacin, which niacinamide vitamin NAD, so it gives you an NAD source as well. So the nice thing about nicotinal GABA is that it helps increase GABA in the brain, but it doesn't make you feel tired because it gives you the vitamin B3 as well. So the GABA receptor itself in the brain is very interesting. And I think this is kind of where the conversation likely should go is that so GABA itself attaches to uh, the GABA receptor. And there's a specific spot on that receptor where GABA attaches, but there's also these other spots on the GABA receptor as well, where other things can attach and increase GABA levels in the brain. And so the most common one, the most widely used one is alcohol. So alcohol um, has a site next to the, uh, where the GABA typically would bind, and it binds on that receptor, increasing the amount of GABA that attaches. And as a result of that, you get more inhibition. So everybody knows when they drink alcohol, you have more, you're less you're less inhibited in some ways, but you're, and that's because it's called a disinhibition. You're more active as a result of, of having more GABA at play. So think about this. Like if you're inhibiting an inhibitor, what do you have? You have more ex excitation, right? <clears throat> Until you get to a certain point where you have so much GABA that's bound because you've, you've drank a lot of alcohol. And now you're getting slow. Now you're getting sleepy. It completely screws up your sleep, which we can talk about, but alcohol does, but, um, but it makes you slower and makes you sleepier. Right. And so alcohol is the most commonly used drug, uh, that will modulate the GABA system. And then you have things like, um, benzodiazepines or so the Ativan, Xanax, Valiums of the world, um, your, your Z drugs, your sleep drugs, your Ambien's, your Lunesta's, <clears throat> those all affecting the GABA system, <clears throat> excuse me. But the problem with those drugs and alcohol as well is that they bind so tightly to that their sites on that receptor that they have a huge risk for you to have dependence, tolerance, and withdrawal. So um, you want to avoid those things. Alcohol is probably fine in, in, in low doses for some people. There's pretty good evidence that no amount of alcohol is really healthy for you at this point. Um, some people may argue, and I think that if, and, and I'm okay with it, but I think, I don't know, what's your sense of alcohol these days? Do you agree with me, Dave? Or Ah, you know, my personal feeling is you have to sort of balance off. There's certain social positives to alcohol. In, Absolutely. In small doses. I'm not a scientist and I'm a doctor, but I don't see any positive biological impact from alcohol. It all looks negative to me. And, you know, sleep, like a lot of things. But on the other hand, you know, you want to hang out with your buddies and have a beer and like talk, especially with guys have some trouble talking to each other unless they have beer. <laughs> Yes. Maybe that's a positive. It's funny because I was actually having a conversation with a friend 
a couple of days ago when I had that dinner party at the house. And you're talking about like, as a guy, like typically the way you hang out with other guys up until some point in your life is like, you go out to the bar and get a beer or get a drink and you watch a game or whatever it might be. And so it's, it's certainly as you get more interested in this work as you have. And as I have, it's like, what do you do with friends? Right. And then would you just change friends? I mean, that's also possible. Like, you know, you evolve and my, my friends from high school, I just, I stopped drinking three or four years ago at this point, because I just don't see any reason to do it. I have other ways to take stress off. I have other ways to relax and making that transition transition is hard. So I do think that, you know, maybe a little bit of alcohol every once in a while is it's probably fine. And it does modulate the GABA system. I think there's other nicer ways to modulate the GABA system, um, not by taking GABA supplements as we described, but there are some natural things that enhance the GABA system, natural products like herbs and, and things that we can talk about that are very good at helping enhance the GABA system without having the potential downsides that you would have with some of these prescription drugs, but they don't, the affinity to that receptor that we were talking about is not as significant as your alcohol and your benzos or any of your things like that. You've just given me an idea. A lot of people drink alcohol. There's sort of this like long tail effect, <laughs> right? Right. Affect your sleep and stuff like that. And there's certain these molecules are really sticky. Is there something you like an, an herb or supplement or something you can take with your alcohol to make it less sticky so that it clears your brain quicker? That's a good question. I, I know various types of protocols that help with the other aspects of alcohol, which is the detoxification process, the dehydration process, the the mineral deficiencies that you'll get that are relative because it's it's causing uh, it's causing dehydration and it's causing a diuretic effect. I don't know of anything specifically, and you have to be really careful here because there are certain drugs that do antagonize or basically block the GABA system, but these are not typically used clinically because uh, they can cause seizures. Actually, oh. um, there's there's one drug that's used for benzodiazepine overdose. It's called flumazenil. And it's a drug that um, actually blocks the GABA receptor and it works, but it also causes seizures because mm. all of a sudden you're blocking the entire thing. So you have no more inhibition. There's all this excitation. And as a result of that, you can have seizures. So not used. There is, is one interesting compound that you'll like that's called a reverse agonist, but doesn't matter. The idea here is it's actually from, uh, it's called harmalin or harmaline. Um, and harmalin is part of the ayahuasca ceremony. So harmalin is a uh, inhibitor of the GABA receptor. And as a result of that, so when you take, when you have these ayahuasca experiences and you're having DMT, harmalin is what's called an MAOI inhibitor. So it blocks uh, liver metabolism of DMT, uh, which is why DMT can last for three to four hours instead of just 15 minutes or less if you smoke it or something like that. Um, but harmalin itself is also a GABA antagonist. So it blocks the GABA receptor. So that's why people will, will feel pretty awake when they're on this drug at the same time as it's doing these other things. Um, ginkgo is actually a GABA antagonist as well. So um, if you take some ginkgo, it's also going to block that receptor a little bit. So that's going to give you more feeling of wakefulness as well. So um, so there are a couple things that you can do, but in general, um, there's no like antidote for the affinity or the binding as far as I'm aware of, of alcohol itself. But I think the, I mean, so you have, like the most common alternative, although it's not that common, but it's relatively common, is kava. So you've heard of kava before, I'm sure. Um, kava is a GABA agonist, so it helps increase the amount of GABA that binds. Um, it doesn't bind to that GABA site itself. It binds to a separate site a little further away, but it helps with uh, increasing the amount of GABA that's going to bind, and you're going to have that feeling of feeling like you've had a couple beers kind of thing. But the thing, the nice thing about kava is it doesn't bind with the same affinity, and it also binds to other receptors that help increase wakefulness. So you don't have like the the uh, the drunkenness kind of tired thing that you typically will with kava, unless you have a lot of it. Um, but I've never done that. But I've heard people going to kava bars and and having like lots of lots of kava. But you know, kava has been around for thousands of years. It's a it's an indigenous plant in the South Pacific, and it's been used in that way for many years as a way to relax, as a, as a ceremonial kind of thing. So kava is great. Um, so you have kava and you have nicotinal GABA, the one I mentioned before, which are really nice because they don't give you as much of a a sedation kind of feeling. Um, but if you're looking for sedation, that's also something that's reasonable, right? If you have trouble sleeping, you know, GABA is actually really important because GABA sticks with you all night and suppresses all of those other neurotransmitters that are trying to keep you awake, especially during REM sleep. 
as you can imagine, right? REM sleep is a very active time. That's when you're dreaming. You're you're thinking that you're you're flying on an airplane, that you're jumping out of off a cliff, that you're but you don't wake up somehow most of the time. And the reason why you don't is actually because of GABA. So if you're GABA deficient, uh, you're going to have more waking during your evenings, uh, especially during during REM sleep. Interestingly enough, because um, REM is really an active. If you look at somebody's brain during REM sleep, it's extremely active. It's going. It looks like you're awake actually, but you're not except, you know, you're, but the, the GABA system is keeping you from actually waking up. So, um, there are certain GABA molecules or GABA herbals that might be helpful for people that are looking for more sedation kind of quality without obviously the risk tolerance of withdrawal and things like that. Uh, the most common one is used out there is valerian root. You know, valerian has been around forever. Um, it stinks. It's not a very good smelling compound, but valerian itself the the active compound uh, active compound and it is called valerianic acid and valerianic acid is a great um inducer of sleep and helps with maintenance as well so there's some other ones uh we the another one that we use is something called hanakyl um hanakyl is something uh, from magnolia bark uh, magnolia bark uh, i'm not sure where that grows but the but magnolia magnolia bark's active component is something called hanakyl and then even even more active is something called dihydrohanakyl beta or DHHB. And it, it's a fantastic sleep inducer as well. And it what's nice about DHHB or, or, or hanakyl is it's relatively long acting. So it's going to stay in the system for a while to help you kind of maintain some of that sleep. And then um, we're working on a new compound that's going to be coming out in October um, in our sleep trochee that we're making. Um, it's called um, agarin or musimol. And this is a... Um, it's actually a GABA, it binds to the GABA receptor at the GABA site. Um, and it's a derivative of the fly agaric mushroom, which most of us know, some of us know from Santa Claus mythology. It is the mushroom of potential psychedelic experiences that brought on Santa Claus back in many thousands of years ago, uh, reindeer would eat this mushroom, uh, and they would then the shaman would then drink the urine of the reindeer uh, be, because these mushrooms are toxic, not because of the muscle in them, but because of another compound called ibotenic acid in it. And so, but it would be detoxified in the urine. So the shaman would drink the urine from these reindeer and have psychedelic experiences. So anyway, so, but this particular not really. Compound. I'm not willing to go there. I'm just saying. You're not going to. So then no. the, you wouldn't. The, the next step would be so the shaman would drink the reindeer urine. And then those that were being officiated by the shaman would drink the urine of the shaman. <laughs> so, Ooh, second generation P. Second okay. generation P. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, but anyway, this, this is an amazing compound. Musimol, or also called agarin, is a fantastic sleep inducer and maintenance because it lasts, the half life is about seven hours. Ah. So it, it will maintain you throughout the evening. Um, and so we're working on that in our, in our sleep trochee as well. So anyway, that, that's like a, like an overall overview of, of ways you can sort of enhance the GABA system, at least pharmaceutically or medicinally, but there are other ways outside of that too. We're all different. Valerian, I feel drunk the next day if I have Valerian tea and Kava. I've had it in sort of a couple different forms. Um, yep. I think one I had was pretty powerful and I was like drunk. I was just like, oh my God, like- You are not is... GABA deficient, Dave. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually, there's a couple of diagnostic things here. Like one is that if you're extremely sensitive to valerian or kava, um, you might have a higher binding affinity, number one, or, and more likely, is that you're just not GABA deficient. Like you're actually, like oftentimes if people have a significant response to these kinds of things, it's because they are GABA deficient and it's diagnostic in that way. And if, but if you're feeling like drunk for the next day after you take it, you're probably not GABA deficient. You're probably don't need to take a whole lot of that stuff. Right. Um, but the other piece of this is that if people are taking regular GABA supplements and they're still feeling the effects of GABA, it could mean that you have a leaky brain actually, because it, it, oh. hypothetically the GABA is not supposed to get across the blood brain barrier. And if it is, if you're taking a GABA supplement that says GABA on it and you're feeling like you're fatigued and tired because of it, it could be because you have a leaky brain. Now, don't worry. This just means that you have a leaky gut. Um, and this is fixable. Okay. People get scared when you say that, but um, it usually means you have a leaky gut or you have, it could be chronic infection, uh, chronic inflammation. There's a lot of reasons why you, this could be the case, but um, but it's almost diagnostic in some ways that if, if people tell me that they have, that they feel like, 
extremely tired from GABA supplements by themselves, it's usually because they're they're often leaky in some other location. Yeah, Cobb and Valerian for for me are all they're almost in the realm of benzos. Like yeah, it's like yeah, I can't I can't do that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and and I and you shouldn't right if you're, if you're that sensitive to it. But something like nicotinal GABA might be interesting to you. Like like in, uh, we have our Trocom formula uh, from from the company that has nicotinal GABA. It has kava in it, just a low, very low low amount of kava, um, and it's got CBD and CBG. So CBD and CBG, so cannabinoids, CBD especially, modulate the GABA system too. And there's a drug called Epidiolex that's actually approved for seizures that is very, very high dose. It's like a thousand milligrams of CBD or something ridiculous like that. And, and that's a very, very high dose compared to what we have in our products and what you find in most products is anywhere between you know, five milligrams in our product to somewhere maybe 25 to 50 milligrams is a high dose of CBD. But that's modulating not only the endocannabinoid system in various ways, so the, the internal system in our body that regulates homeostasis, basically balance, is called the endocannabinoid system. And then the cannabis plant has these compounds in it that modulate that system, one of them being CBD. And so CBD has a, a an effect on the GABA system as well, so does CBG. Now, THC is actually interesting. THC is actually inhibitory. So that's why some people can feel anxiety when they take THC is that they can, some people have this inhibitory feeling of that GABA receptor. They get anxiety, they get stress, they think they're going to die, and you know, all those kinds of things. So um, I don't do THC. Do you do THC, Dave? My last pot brownie was about 40 years ago, and <laughs> okay. I will never, ever do that again. <laughs> it was horrible. Brownies are dangerous. Yeah, I have, a, I have my own pot brownie story from maybe about how many years ago now? Yeah, about 30 years ago. So. Oh my God. There's so many problems with with that, but I think the the problem is that when you're ingesting THC, you don't know how much you're getting um, oftentimes, and because you have like a brownie, and then you can have like one little piece of the brownie that's all the cannabis, and everything else is nothing. You don't know, and uh, that's one problem. And and that's you know when we have our we make something called trochies at, at our company, and like there's these dissolvable lozenges that are scored, and so you can break them up into quarters, halves, and fulls. And we were very clear when we were making that, like we didn't want to have the brownie effect where it was like in one quarter you had all the ingredients and everything else was nothing. So we have a very significant process where we go have a go through a compounding pharmacy and we make sure everything is mixed well. We test everything uh, to make sure that it's it's not your pot brownie kind of thing. Like, yeah, my experience is it's actually kind of funny. Uh, in in retrospect, like my parents were out of town. I was like 14 or 15, and we all we cooked up a whole bunch of brownies. We went to a concert. I spent the entire concert with my head between my legs, angry. Make it, make it stop. Make it make stop. Make it stop. Because it was like one of my favorite bands of all time. It was Jimmy Page and the Black Crows. I was so excited about going. And I was, I, I, I couldn't even move. I was like, I was basically like a piece of marble in my seat. So <laughs> anyway, so I, I feel, pre, I'm sure people that are listening have their own pot edible stories. And that's pot that was like 30 years ago. That was not even close to the kind of THC content that is in the types of things that are, that are around these days. But anyway, be aware of your edible brownies, even still. I think the age limit on that stuff should be about 18. If you're under 18, okay. Or if possible, wait to do all your drugs and drugs until after you're 25 years old, if you can. Oh, that's when, yeah. They're, that's when your brain's I, fully formed. So that's oh, when, oh, right. So you don't, well, maybe that's what happened to me. And now I know. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not the only one, my friend. It's okay. <laughs> There's a compound in tea, which I think is called L-theanine. Is that right? L-theanine, yeah. L-theanine. Does that intersect with the it GABA does. system? It does. It does modulate the GABA system as well. Yeah. And, and it does it in a, and actually in a way that's kind of not well understood, but it actually works on the GABA receptor too. So if you want to relax, right, you want more GABA is what it comes down to. And so if you want to relax and you want more GABA, there are all these things you can take, but you can also stop doing shit which means like you can go start meditating. <laughs> you can meditate. You can do breath work. You can become more parasympathetic. This is basically you know, changing your balance over from being sympathetic, go, 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 to relaxing. Um, right. So relaxation, breath work, uh, meditation practices, these are all been studied in those clinical trials and studies and things and showing that that'll enhance GABA in the brain. And so you can do that. Actually, exercise also enhances the balance or optimizes the balance between glutamate and GABA as well. So you can have, you'll have more GABA after you've exercised. If you become more sympathetic in something like 
exercise all, or in like something, I'm just thinking like cold thermogenesis, for example, you're going to stimulate a whole bunch of stress hormones, but then you're going to have a rebound where the body is going to recalibrate itself. Right. So stressing the body is still a good thing, but you want to have your periods of relaxation. So those are some, it's always, it's always important to remember that if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling anxious, at least in my world, like I'm thinking about this clinically, I'm like, okay, these people need more GABA in their life, right? And how can we give this to them? We can, we can get more glutamine containing foods. We can do all that. We can, we can optimize their vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, make sure they have enough B6, enough magnesium, making sure they have good energy capacity, uh, making sure they don't have a leaky gut, a leaky brain. Uh, these are all things that are very, very important. Um, and then we can give them supplements or herbals and things like that to help, to help with that system while you're on the process of trying to optimize it. I mean, hypothetically, we should need something to help us go to bed at night, but many of us do. And especially when we travel or, you know, we have a stressful project or, you know, we have type A personalities and we don't let our mind, our mind has a hard time shutting off. And sometimes we need things and that's, that's completely fine too. It's, I think, you know, me, I think well enough already, Dave, to say, to know is like, I'm always in the context of, it's not like there's one magic thing that's going to help for every situation. You just want to have your sort of cadre of things available to you, depending on the situation, but have your basic foundational stuff in order as much as you can. You bring up exercise. And I, what I find is that now when I exercise hard, my sympathetic system is really revved. After the workout, I try and give myself like 10 minutes of breathing. I put on music and stuff, but still it's jacked for a couple of hours. Like I can't do sauna like at night because it's too sympathetically activating. And, sure. it, and actually I'm too jacked and I can't, I can't go to sleep. Yeah. So that's a common problem, you know, in the sense that, but usually the problem is not so much people are aware of what's happening in the sense that the problem typically is they're doing a whole bunch of Wim Hof breathing. They're doing a whole bunch of cold thermogenesis and they're just like going you know, balls out all the rest of the day and not giving them any themselves any time to rest. And then they, they start burning out as a result of that. So I have people that you know, cold plunging is all the rage, but if you're doing this every day, but you're not giving yourself time to relax and, and find ways to get back to parasympathetic, it's going to catch up to you over time. And like, this is obviously the problem of everything in a human, the condition, right? We want, if something's good, we want to do more of it. Right. And more and more and more. So that's usually the, the issue that I have with, with most of the clients that I work with is that they're not giving themselves the, they're giving themselves the hormetic stress, but they're not letting themselves, right. you know, come on down. So um, what I would do in those cases is I would start working on things like HRV training. You know, HRV training is really good, like as sort of a post-workout kind of thing. So you actually can work on your HRV with, um, there's a lot of different types of ways you can do this, but one of them is like, is something called HeartMath, which you've, I'm sure you've heard about before, but HeartMath is a company that's been doing HRV training forever. There's even something you can get for your phone. It's, I used to, I used to do it all the time a number of years ago, but like, and actually it's something that goes, it clips onto your ear and then you have like a little thing that goes into your phone and you can measure your breathing. So measure how, you know, your breathing, your breathing rates, your, your depth and, and your, um, and, you know, get a sense of that, some, some feedback that can be helpful. So training HRV can be very helpful. Also positioning can be very helpful in the sense that like oftentimes if, if we, if people are having a hard time with parasympathetic rebound, then actually lying down mm. instead of like lying, you know, being, being up, you're making yourself completely flat is really, really helpful. Um, like yoga, what's it called? Yoga Nidre, I think it's yeah. like when you're mm -hmm. doing like, you know, corpse poses and things like that. So really trying to, to relax is helpful. Um, I also find that, you know, low amounts of heat, like, you know, like an infrared sauna can sometimes be good as opposed to like, a like a finished sauna, like a finished high heat sauna, because that's more of a stress uh, on the system as opposed to like, you know, for example, for me, I do infrared sauna most evenings before I go to bed. Um, I don't feel like that really creates a huge amount of stress response. Um, but there are people, and I know the, these people too, that do, um, they do the hot cold before they go to bed at night, um, using the finished sauna. Like they'll use a, they'll, sorry, yeah, they use like high heat and then they use cold as well. And they can, they go back and forth. And as long as I think they have to finish off in heat before they go to bed and that typically works, but it doesn't work for me either. You know, it's like certain people are just more wired to be more sympathetically dominant. And if you're listening, this is somebody that's more type A in general, right? So if you're more like you're organized, you're getting shit done, like you have a planner, like, you know, that's typically like you're more of a type A person. And so it's harder to wind down. Um, but even people like yourself can be very sensitive to the GABA stuff. So you have to be careful there, but you can even start adding a little bit of this stuff in like L-theanine is a pretty good one or like a little bit of Kava, like, or a little bit of, you know, whenever we make something at my company, it's like, it's always very, very low dose 
um, or it can be titrated to low dose and kind of go up because we own it. We always know that there's going to be people that are going to be very sensitive on both ends of the spectrum here. Fascinating. You mentioned something before we got on the call about nasal spray and sleep. <laughs> this well, is a totally new one on me. Well, Help this me is, out here. Well, so, I mean, look, I, I, the, the bigger picture here, you know, you and I, Dave, talk about a lot of sort of health and wellness kinds of things and how we're optimizing and, and, we're always doing experiments. I mean, I'm always doing experiments on myself, whether I do them accidentally or or not is, is it, that's always the fun of it. So like this morning I got a whole bunch of blood work done. And it's like, you know, what, what's the day going to, to bring as a result of not having, you know, 250 cc's less of uh, having 250 cc's less of blood. I don't know. I'm still able to converse with you. I'm still talking. That's good. Um, I did have a whole bunch of salt afterwards and things to, to increase my blood pressure a little bit. But um, yeah, for me, I was just telling you before we talked that, now, sleep is something that I that I measure. I know you measure your sleep as well. So I have an oral ring, and and I do notice ever since I moved to Cal to Colorado a couple of years ago that I will get these little blips in my sleep where I get the this sort of oxygen level is not optimal. And I'm not fat. I don't have you know any sort of I don't snore. I don't have sleep apnea. Um, I don't think. Um, although I haven't done a full test, I'm pretty sure. And so, and I I'm a side sleeper, but you know I was like, well. And then it just happens that one of my daughters is sick in the house. And, and when I have, when you have four kids going through, oftentimes you'll get whatever they get, no matter how optimized you are. Like, it's like, it's, I call it like a bolus load. Like it's like a certain load you can tolerate, <laughs> but when you have like children that are like all over you and like, it's only so much that you can do. Right. So, but I was like, I'll, I'll just start spraying some nose, some nasal spray. I have this like xylitol. Uh, saline nasal spray that I have at the house that I, that I travel with. I recommend everybody travel with something like this too, actually. Really important to travel with something like this and just use it when you get off the plane or especially when you go to bed that night, when you get off the plane, it's one of my, it's it's really helpful. Um, because you're always gonna, this is where often our, our respiratory viral kinds of things are gonna get housed is in our nasal spray, nasal passages. You guys all know this now from COVID and flu. It's like, you know, that's where your nasal swabs, blah, blah. So Anyway, so I have this at the house. So I was using it the last couple of days and my deep sleep went up for 20 to 30 minutes every each of the nights I used it and I had no oxygen dips at all. I'm like, oh, obviously it makes sense. It's just getting, because it's drier air here in Colorado from where I used to live in California, it's going to get drier at night. And so my nasal patches might get more blocked. And so as a result of that, it's probably affecting my deep sleep if I'm not able to take deep breaths, right? And so- Hence the extra deep sleep with just a nasal spray in the evening. So little things, little things, Dan. But that was pretty cool to see. Wow. I love that kind of stuff. As we discussed earlier, anything that I can help me, you know, be a better version of David, is, but is not like a pill I have to swallow, that's I'm, I'm into. Yeah, I, well, I, can, I swallow enough things. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have trochies, as you know, at, at, at my company. They, they, so that they don't have to swallow them. They actually dissolve in your mouth as well, which is kind of nice, but, but it's still something you have to put in your mouth. You know, um, I don't have that many things that I do that are nasal sprays. That's, that's, that's not very common. There are people that use ketamine nasal sprays and oxytocin nasal sprays and things like that wow. for various purposes. Oxytocin is a really interesting one. Uh, if you haven't played around with that, oxytocin is the, is the love drug. It's the love hormone yeah. that gets released uh, for bonding relationships, breastfeeding for women. Taking oxytocin at a party is actually better than drinking alcohol as far as I'm concerned. So it's because you take 10 or 20 IUs of oxytocin, everybody feels warm and bubbly and connected and it's 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 better. So as we like to say at transcriptions, we have better drugs than alcohol you know, for all these kinds of- Is that what MDMA does? So MDMA is, it increases serotonin and it's also an amphetamine at the same time. So it increases dopamine and norepinephrine at the same time. So it's a very unusual drug because it's, you have your psilocybins and your LSDs, which are mostly serotonin, and you have MDMA, which is very high serotonin, but also but also norepinephrine and dopamine as well. So it it doesn't affect it. It, it works on a very distant different system. It's mostly serotonin. We've really we've talked about all kinds of interesting things here. Always. <laughs> but next time I see, but oxytocin is one you should try. You can uh, if it if it's like it's a good one for a party. Where you have it like a small group, like three to four people, 20 IUs of, of oxytocin. Like this is a prescription, ladies and gentlemen, you have to get it compounded. Although there are places, I think you can get it online now. I don't know the sources. I can't vouch for any of them at all. So don't, you know, don't blame me for anything. I don't so, know. So wait, Scott, so you want me to go to my doc and say, I'm going to have a party. I want to feel really good. Can you give me a prescription for oxytocin? <laughs> so it's the prescription is for social anxiety. 
That's what oh. people use it for. Oh, so if you okay. have, if you're anxious in social situations, um, oxytocin can help. Um, it's used in autistic children that have social challenges because it makes them feel connected. It makes them more, ah. so it can be used. So we have trocom at transcriptions, which also works because it's got the nicotinogaba there, which so it doesn't make you too tired, but it's got the CBD and CBG. It's got a little bit of kava. So it's, it's great for social situations as well. Oxytocin is another option. So it's, uh, it's not something that easily to be, you can buy transcriptions. You can't buy oxytocin for them. There are places you can buy it over the counter. I just don't know. I don't know about quality and things like that. So I just want to be careful there, but, um, but yes, you could go to your doctor and say, if you are socially anxious, it's, it is something to potentially try, you know, absolutely. My doc already is, He's like, you want to do what with what? Why Why Love do you it. want to do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, this, I grew up the son of a chiropractor. So almost everything is like, is not surprising to me. So like if people, <laughs> because most people that went to a chiropractor 30 or 40 years ago, I mean, they were on, they're off the grid now, but they were really off the grid back then. So it's like, you could imagine all the kinds of crazy things that people would be doing or trying or playing with. And that's probably where I got the itch to do all this crazy stuff too. So I'm going to ask you a performance enhancing question. Okay. So what I have noticed, so I've taken up this like hobby of ski racing and it's part of this. What I've learned is that the ability to focus and even I do a lot of balance stability stuff on one foot or eyes closed one foot. What I found the key to making that work is that I just imagine myself going fast and having to make a gate. And so okay. that sort of focuses my mind. I'm able to like stay on my foot with my eyes closed longer. So this is a focus thing. And when I, when I go to PT, there's also sort of a lot of like one legged, really focused things. And my question is, yeah. so I'm, I'm up around the hill and it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, run some gates today or something. And, you know, we mentioned, I think before the podcast, some people <laughs> were taking some of the Olympic sprinters, they got in a little trouble for this. Uh, they were taking like anti-narcoleptic drugs. Yep. Assuming you don't go that route. And I want to really focus on things, but not be like caffeine makes me really tense. It sort of, it, it sort of overactivates the mental part. And what I want to do is to activate the, the sensory response part. If that makes sense. Yes. What do, what do I do? There is a lot of options here. I wouldn't even thought about saying this on a podcast a couple of years ago, but I think it's okay now. Um, so, I mean, the first step is that when you're thinking about focus, you're thinking about certain neurotransmitters that help with focus. Uh, the, the, help, the neurotransmitters that help with focus are typically dopamine and norepinephrine because these are our, more of our stress reward types of neurotransmitters. You think about acetylcholine as well. Acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter that helps with our brain, our function of our memory, our cognition, our and and all kind of goes together here. So, one of the things that I think about, we created a a, a product called something called blue canatine at Transcriptions, mm -hmm. which is a something that you've tried that is very low dose nicotine, caffeine, CBD, and methylene blue, and people get scared about nicotine, but that's kind of where I was going with the first part of this conversation is that. Nicotine is a fantastic cognitive enhancer. It's very short acting. It's about, about one to two hours. And if you don't smoke it or vape it, keep it very low dose, less than four milligrams a day. The, the chance of ejection is like minutely small, minuscule. So it's very, very powerful and very quick. And so for people that are looking to feel more of a cognitive edge, they can actually just do have some nicotine on its own uh, and, it, and it will do that. But what's nice about the formula that we created is that you have caffeine in there, just a small amount, a quarter cup of coffee. And then you have CBD, which kind of rounds it out and makes it so it's not too stimulating. CBD is neuroprotective. CBD increases your bliss neurotransmitter, something called anandamide. Ananda comes from the word, it's the, the root of the word comes from a Sanskrit word for bliss, actually. So anandamide is a neurotransmitter that increases when you have CBD around. And then methylene blue is a fantastic mitochondrial optimizer. So it helps with energy production, helps with antioxidant reserve, things like that. So it's a really nice focus flow for three to five hours. So if you're looking for focus fl for flow for three to five hours without any come down or crash, you can something you can titrate either just a quarter of a, a trochee can be enough for some people, a half or a full, depending on the day, you can really make that experience what you're describing. I think you've had that experience too, right? Right, Dave? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you can use that. And I've had a good experiences with that. The other thing you can do is if this is legal in your country, state, 
province, whatever, is that you know dosing with things like a microdose of LSD create the creativity and the expansiveness, but they're usually not enough in the sense that like if you want to be able to focus with those, typically you have to have some sort of stimulant along with it. So like if it's legal, if it's in wherever you live, <laughs> again, they do all these things. Uh, a good combination is a, like a microdose of of LSD or psilocybin plus blue canatine. That's my favorite. You know, if I'm if I'm in a place like Denver where these these things are decriminalized or something like that, right? Like especially especially for like psilocybin microdosing, for example. So um, this is and I didn't learn this myself. This is from my crazy clients and things like that 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 do all these things and tell me what their experiences are for the most part. Um, but it is a fantastic combination. So if you have the ability to have more, let, let's call it, you have better vision more expansiveness, you have more hyperconnectivity in various areas of the brain that aren't usually connected. And then you have the ability to focus and increase, enhance your memory at the same time. It's it's really kind of a, it's a superhero combination. That's what it comes down to. Recall a baseball pitcher. Who was it? It was like in the seventies who pitched okay. a no hitter, like totally tripping on acid. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget his name. Um, I got to look that up. That's something. And he described it as, I just dropped the ball in the tunnel. <laughs> I, I love that. There was nothing else happening. He just Doc dropped Ellis. the ball. Doc Ellis. Yes, that was it. Doc Ellis. Acid no hitter was 47 years ago. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't recommend like being on a full dose. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, subperceptible doses of these kinds of things can be can enhance creativity. At least we think it they can, right? And so, it's not something that I, I say lightly. And that's just not for everybody. Certainly, you have to make sure you have reliable sources of these things. Uh, there's all these sort of caveats, and please make sure that people are listening to all these caveats. But it, the there is the but that there is potential for these to be therapeutic in a lot of different ways. And creativity, I think, is a fantastic one. And the expansiveness of of being able to see things before you would naturally see them, like on a ski hill, for example, but maintaining focus at the same time. So that that's kind of the superhero way of doing this. I love blue canatine for it. Uh, I or if it's a very short acting kind of thing where I need focus concentration for two or three hours, I'll just have a little piece of nicotine gum, um, hmm. very small dose, typically like nicotine replacements, either two milligrams or four milligrams. I don't recommend starting there. <laughs> start start like a half a milligram or a, a full, like one milligram of nicotine, uh, because nicotine can also be, uh, it can make you feel jittery and also can give you diarrhea if you're not careful. So if you have a higher dose, it's going to make you go poop. So I can't wouldn't use it as a laxative, ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't use it that way. No, so there's, there's better ways to go poop. <laughs> you know, show up with my coaches and my tongue's bright blue. Damn right. Come on. Highly focused. And they're like, what's, what's dude up to today? <laughs> Dave is rocking it. We always say it at transcriptions. I mean, we used to just have two two products that were based on methylene blue, and we used to, our tagline was "Blue is the new smart," right? Because these are trochies that go up and dissolve in your mouth. They make your tongue blue. Our full methylene blue trochee, the one that doesn't have the stimulants, you can actually swallow as well. But either way, it's going to come out blue, meaning that you're going to have urine that turns a little bit blue when you take these because methylene blue concentrates in the urine. So it's just something to be aware of that you are going to have a little bit of blue urine if you do this, but Side effect, benign, no problems there. It's more about the effect that we care about. It's just, it's a good party trick <laughs> in some ways. So that's, that's actually true because the, these because methylene blue is actually used in laboratory analysis um, as well. And so lab technicians would bring it home and put it in the cookie mix or something like that. And so everybody would have the methylene blue in the cookies and everybody would be urinating blue. And that was like a fun party trick. It's, it's real. It's, it's something that has been done. Sounds like something I would do in college. Like, oh, wow. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. LSD in the, in the punch or methylene blue in the punch. You know? <laughs> or maybe both. <laughs> um, no recommendations. <laughs> don't, listen, don't listen to anything I'm saying about that, about, about any drugs, please. Informational purposes. And informational only. and entertainment. We're not, this is nothing prescription here. Just yeah. be clear yeah, on I, that. Yeah. The idea is like educating about the whole system of GABA is really important, I think, because I, when it comes down to it, if you're having a, lot, having a lot of anxiety, if you're having a lot of stress, even if you're super depressed, actually, it could be because you're GABA deficient. And that might feel unusual to you to think about, but when we're, do you know how many thoughts on average the average person has on a daily basis, Dick? 10,000, 100,000, I don't know, it's endless. So 70,000 on average is what they've okay. calculated. So if you're depressed or anxious, it's up to 120,000. 
Oh. So it's it's actually similar that you just you just compulsively commiserate or you just perseverate on the same thoughts over and over again. Right. So that's a lot of thoughts. So if we can tamp that down, if we can damper it down with with something with increased GABA tone, increasing GABA in the brain, you're going to decrease the amount of thoughts that you have. And in fact, there's just a drug that was that was just approved by uh, I can't remember what what the company is, but it's a new drug that's uh, it's an it's actually a GABA drug for postpartum depression. So it's the first mm. drug approved for postpartum depression, and it's affecting the GABA system. So mm. the GABA system is a big deal, and I think the drug companies are 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 getting they've known about this for a while. They just like addicting people with their benzos and and things like that. But and I don't know about this particular drug and how it's going to go. Um, but you know that the rest of the antidepressants are very, very hard to get off of as well. So, but it could be easier. I don't know because we have sort of natural equivalents on the GABA side that may make it easier for us to get wean people off some of these drugs, but maybe people don't have to go on them if they know that there's are these other alternatives. I, you know, I say that with a grain of salt. If you're, you know, if you're having a really hard time, like these drugs can be very, very helpful. I, I don't know about this new GABA drug, but certainly if you're in a, a bad place, you know, sometimes these drugs can be very, very helpful. And I, I want to make sure and I acknowledge that. And I have friends that, you know, wouldn't be alive if they didn't take some of these drugs when they had a really bad time, especially postpartum depression can be really, mm -hmm. really challenging on women. So, um, anyway, so just to put that in yeah. context. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Depression is a really, is, is a very serious thing. Yeah. hundred percent. Scott, if, if somebody out there wants to get in touch with you, what would they do? Yeah. So, my company that makes some of the products that we were describing today, something called Trocom and TroZ is our new sleep remedy that'll be out hopefully by the end of October, if all goes well. Transcriptions.com is the place to go. So the word trochee and the word prescription mashed up into one word, Troscriptions. Uh, we make trochees, this is dissolvable lozenges, and we have as prescription grade as possible. We're all clinicians. There's four docs on the team, including me. So we're on Instagram at Transcriptions at Transcriptions.com. That's where you can find stuff about my company, about the nonprofit that is training doctors and practitioners. If you're a practitioner, you're interested, you can go to homehope.org. Health Optimization Medicine and Practice is the name. Homehope.org is the website. For my personal practice, uh, a couple of ways to get me, you can go to drscottsher.com, D-R-S-C-O-T-T-S-H-E-R-R.com. I'm on Instagram at drscottsher, spelled the same way. And uh, yeah, those are the main places, I think. And you can also reach out you know, to Dave and he can get you connected. If, if there's anything I do consulting uh, all over the world using the framework that I use with concierge medicine, health optimization medicine. And I also am very involved as, as we know in, in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And I do a lot of consulting in clinics and places around the world doing that too. Super. Scott, somebody told me the other day, like my conversations with you are the most information dense podcasts like they've ever heard. <laughs> so I really appreciate that. Not a problem. I guess it, I'm not the type that could stick on one single thing and talk about it forever. So I, it's my it's my type one brain. So I appreciate the time, Dave. This is always fun. Absolutely. Great to speak. Thanks. Okay, guys. So how was that? That, <laughs> that was just amazing. There's so much information in there. And I, for people who don't know it, we've started publishing transcriptions. They're AI transcriptions. So they're not perfect, but they're in the show notes that live on ages.com. If you go to Super Age Podcast, you'll see the entire show, all the notes typed out, time codes, in case you want to go back and you know verify some of the things that Scott spoke about. We're going to go to Just Try This in just a moment after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's show is also brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. I'm a big believer in getting blood tests taken because it's simply the only way to get in-depth data about your metabolic factors, your hormones, and the things that inform your immediate and long-term health. There are also excellent DNA tests that can further inform you about your immediate and long-term health. The problem is the most blood tests out there is you get a lot of information back and you get a lot of numbers and they're not really gonna tell you what to do about it. In addition, they can be very confusing what all the factors are, what they mean. Inside Tracker has a dashboard and a platform that simplifies all of that. I get food first, supplement second, recommendations about how to optimize my inner health. For instance, I just got my test back and I saw that my calcium levels were a little low, which were surprising to me. But I have suggestions now about how to correct that. And I would not have known that had I not done an Inside Tracker blood test. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist, save 20% on all their products today. This week on Just Try This, we got a simple one. It's about water. So many of us, including me, 
it's hard to drink enough water. It's just hard to stay hydrated. You know, we forget, we're busy, we put it off. So one of the things that we can do is you can fill up a pitcher of water. So I do this in the morning. I fill up a big pitcher of water. It takes about 38 ounces of water. And then I'll put half a packet of element into it. And then I will drink that probably through the morning. And then as it's done, I'll fill it up and then I drink it again in the afternoon. So that gives me, you know, something like 76 ounces of water right off the bat, which is which is a pretty good start. The other thing is the water will be room temperature, which I tend to prefer. I don't really like drinking cold water. I don't know. I'm just one of those people. If you prefer drinking cold water, you can also put ice in it. Or some people keep like a warm pot of tea going on the stove. I like this method because I can see how much I drink and I can just add something to my glass. And it's a nice, pretty pitcher and try that. So for this week, just try this. Get yourself a big pitcher of water and just fill it up in the morning and then try and get it, drank it by noon and then do another one in the afternoon. Stay hydrated. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Hey, guys, if you can, check out that Super Age quiz. Let us know what you think. And once you've taken the quiz, then you'll be getting specific suggestions in the regular Aegis newsletter that are directed exactly towards people like yourself. And if you liked the podcast this week, I can't imagine you didn't. It was pretty amazing. Please feel free to share it with some of your friends, people that you know that maybe could find something useful here and ask them to subscribe to the podcast that's really valuable to us it's super helpful and if you can as always leave us a comment leave us a rating we love that if you want to reach out to me directly david at superage.com we're going to leave dr scutcher's contact info in the show notes also so if you wanted to reach out to him you can do that there next week We've got my favorite dermatologist, Dr. Kelly, coming on to talk about the new things going on with skin. So see you then. Until then, have a great week. Bye now.